Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for joining us. They called it the district. When the Illich family was proposing building Little Caesars Arena just north of downtown, they didn't just pitch a stadium. They said they were going to build five different neighborhoods around that stadium to help connect the thriving downtown and midtown corridors. Now, these promises were really key to something the Illiches said they needed, about $200 million in subsidies from a business district tax capture. So the city went along and the arena got built. But what about those neighborhoods? Wander around the cast corridor and tell me, where do you see all of this development that was promised? You see almost no evidence of these neighborhoods taking shape. So did we get taken? Or is there a good explanation for the slow pace of progress? That's where we want to begin the conversation today with the question of where these five neighborhoods are and whether they will ever rise around Little Caesars Arena north of downtown Detroit. We also want to talk today about the state of the city, which Mayor Mike Duggan is scheduled to give at 7 p.m. today at the East English Village Preparatory Academy. Uh, How does this narrative about tax subsidies, about big development projects, about big promises in Detroit fit into that speech? How does it fit into your expectations for what Mayor Mike Duggan might say tonight? Call and tell us what you think the state of the city is, not just in downtown and midtown, but maybe in the neighborhood where you live, maybe in the place where you work, maybe in the place where your kids go to school. Are we doing the right things in Detroit? Are we moving in the right direction? Are we moving as fast as you think we should? Or do you have real frustrations about what's going on? And is Little Caesars Arena and the promises that were made to us as Detroiters Is that one of the frustrations you have with what's going on in Detroit? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk more about what is going on around Little Caesars is Kirk Pinho. He's a real estate reporter for Crane's Detroit Business. Kirk, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Also with us is Bill Shea. He's an enterprise editor who covers the business of sports for Crane's Detroit Business. Bill, welcome to Detroit Today. Always happy to be on with you. Uh, Kirk and Bill had a story recently that took a look at what has happened around Little Caesars Arena uh, and raised the question about these neighborhoods that we were promised, about all of this development that we were shown in very glossy photos before the city council and the mayor uh, and the emergency manager actually agreed to sign off on these subsidies for Little Caesars Arena. Uh, Kirk, I'm going to start with you. What did we learn uh, from your reporting? Um, not a whole lot of activity yet. Um, in Which anyone, I think, can go and can see for themselves, right? Right. right. As, as, uh, as we put in the story, you know, the eyeball test certainly reveals that um, there's not a whole lot of shovels in the ground. Um, not a whole lot has been built. The area uh, immediately west of Woodward and north of Grand Circus Park remains... 
um, a smattering of largely vacant buildings and surface parking lots that, um, while they've been freshly repaved and fenced, weren't uh, exactly what the public was sold in uh, July of 2014 when these uh, grandiose uh, plans were, were unveiled to build, you know, however many thousands of apartments, new office space, retail, and the 50 blocks that are surrounding the arena. And, and what's the explanation for that? Um, well, we weren't able to sit down with uh, the uh, the Olympia development folks, the uh, the Ilch family's uh, real estate development arm, but uh, our reporting shows that uh, the development community uh, pretty widely believes uh, or has the perception that the 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 uh, the Olympia development team uh, is uh, incredibly controlling and micromanaging of, of projects to the point where either uh, developers have have tried to work with them in the past on uh, various things. Uh, and, and failed or are just steering clear of uh, working with them um, to essentially avoid the heartburn. So this is about process. It's not necessarily about uh, it's not necessarily about plans. And uh, these things that they talked about and showed photos of, as far as you know, they still intend to do. Uh, there, there are some uh, intentions still of doing uh, of some of this. At least that's that's what we're told. Um, the uh, Olympia in their statement says that work on the uh, the the Hotel Eddie Stone is is underway, although uh, it still you know remains windowless uh, next to uh, Little Caesars Arena and. Uh, uh, we're now six months, roughly, past the one-year deadline um, for uh, you know basically having people living in it, living in it again. Um, people working on the uh, United Artists uh, Building uh, redevelopment over on uh, Grand Circus Park tell me uh, that they're still working on uh, lining up the financing, which is uh, a little on the trickier side of things because they're trying to get a, a specific kind of HUD loan, which is uh, which is complicating the matter a little bit. But they hope to start construction in in the third quarter, but you know we're we're going on five years into this, and not one residential unit has been built and is occupied as a result of the uh, as a result of the district Detroit and the uh, the, the Olympia effort so far. Mm. Um, are there plans still for the Eddystone? Yeah, sounds like it. Um, will they come to fruition anytime soon? We'll see. Uh, Bill Shea, enterprise editor who covers the business of sports for Cranes. So I, I want to go back to 2014 uh, and talk about how the Illiches sold this idea of these neighborhoods around around Little Caesars Arena. I, I remember going down to meet with Chris Illich, uh, and, and I remember him laying out all of these plans and showing me these glossy photos that they, they, they later unveiled to the public. Uh, and I, I remember asking him at that point uh, about what had happened about 20 years before, right? So I also remember... Uh, when they were pitching Comerica Park to residents of the city of Detroit and the city council and Mayor Dennis Archer at that point. Uh, and I sort of joked with him. I said, Chris, are these the same photos that you showed back in 94 uh, of, of this neighborhood that was supposed to spring up around Comerica Park? I remember him invoking back then, uh, Mike Illich, invoking Wrigleyville, right? That was the, that was the goal for Comerica Park, that it would create something similar to that dense residential and entertainment district that you see in Chicago around uh, Wrigley Field where the Chicago Cubs play. Of course, 20 years later, nothing that we have here in Detroit quite looks like that. Uh, Comerica did 
do some things that uh, needed to be done in terms of spurring development in in the city, but it certainly didn't create uh, it certainly didn't create Wrigleyville. Um, at, at that point, you know, Chris said, "Look, there's no question that uh, the the economy stopped them from doing the kind of developments that they wanted to do around Comerica." But he said this time would it would be different that instead of building the arena first and then waiting to do the other things, they were going to do it all simultaneously so that we would see these neighborhoods rise at the same time that we were seeing the stadium take place. Um, I, I think it's difficult uh, to, to, to look at all of this and the history here and say that we've gotten what we should have out of the tax subsidies that we've given not just to the villages, but to other developers. And and this idea of uh, sports stadiums spurring development is just an unproven theory. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you're right. Um, on, on the tax subsidy side, there's a lot of academic research, you know, 30-some years now, showing that just handing a, a team owner cash um, to, to build an arena or a stadium just generally isn't good public policy. It, it can be less bad public policy if if you give them some cash, and but the, the public owns the building and the public gets a piece of ticket sales and concessions and suites and, you know, stuff like that. Like we used to have at Joe Lewis, um, you know, when there's an actual revenue stream. There's not in the case of Little Caesars Arena. Olympia Entertainment... Um, and the the three one three presents their their joint operate their joint venture with Tom Gorris's group. Um, they keep all of the money for every hockey match and basketball game and concert or truck pull or rodeo that they have in in that building. They keep it all. Um, and the the conceit was that that would be fine because they were also going to build this big district around it. And there would be jobs and there would be people, you know, hundreds or thousands of people living there that would be paying taxes and buying stuff and, and generating economic activity and the city would benefit from their, their, you know, their income taxes and their property, to, you know, all that sort of thing. But five years later, we're not seeing much of that. The, uh, the illages are sort of circling the wagons and saying, well, you know, we, we built, we built what we said we were going to build, you know, and we built the arena and it's awesome. And here's all of these functionally what are concession stands inside the arena um and the, the new little caesar's headquarters and the, the the little office building where google's at and a couple of really nice parking garages that doesn't make a district for a district you need people living in there and there are successful places columbus and, and edmonton's new ice district if you get people there you will get economic activity generated and you can debate the, the merits of, of you know the, the subsidies for this and there's not a lot of academic research yet on these big sprawling you know it's it, like you talked about with Wrigleyville and what the villages were pitching in the 90s those were much smaller potato deals those are your ballpark villages now people want to build these these sprawling you know dozens of or you know scores of blocks of, of stuff and some of them, <clears throat> excuse me, some of them worked. Atlanta, <clears throat> the Braves of the Battery Atlanta, that uh, looks like it's been uh, fairly successful so far. They just sold off 500 apartments that they built, basically built them and, and flipped them for a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can it can be done out there. But, uh, you know, with our reporting shows five years in with the District Detroit, 
there's not a whole lot of district to Detroit yet. Um, and I, I think they were genuine in what they showed the public. I think they really wanted to, to build that because they'd already gotten, they'd already gotten the public money before any of that. You know, that I think in 2011, 2012 is, is when they secured the legislatively approved deal to get cash right. out of this. Um, my sense was they thought, oh, this is a good idea. We'll, we'll build this. It'll be cool. It will benefit all of their businesses. Um, and, you know, it'll be a great legacy thing. Um, but but like, like you mentioned, we've gotten bogged down in process for a variety of reasons. And I think it was T.S. Eliot that said, uh, between the idea and the reality falls the shadow. And we seem to be stuck in that shadow for a long time. Hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what you think about the not yet developing developments around Little Caesars Arena, the things that we were shown photos of, big neighborhoods that were supposed to rise at the same time that the stadium rose uh, just north of downtown. Uh, also, give us a call and tell us what you think the state of the city is ahead of Mayor Mike Duggan's address tonight. He is going to address the city from the East English Village Preparatory Academy over on the east side at 7 p.m. WDET is going to broadcast that annual State of the City address as well, so you'll be able to hear it here. Right now, what we want to know is what you expect to hear from the mayor. What do you want to hear from the mayor, and how do you feel about how things are going right now in the city of Detroit. Uh, as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. You can go to the WDET Facebook page if you like, uh, put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's start with David in Detroit. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. I sure. think, uh, you know, the real distinction here is that uh, the Illiches and Olympia Holdings, especially when compared with, you know, their crosstown rivals, Gilbert and, uh, you know, Bedrock, is that the former, the Illiches, I think, are not developers. They're speculators. And the latter uh, seem to be developers. In the time that the Illiches have had to develop this dream world of uh, the district Detroit, Gilbert and his companies have have broken ground on dozens of buildings. They've put tenants into dozens more, and yet we wait for uh, $20 parking lots on on this Illich land. So, I, you know, I think we need to dig into the word developer when we're talking about the Illiches. Mm, David, I appreciate the call and the comments. Bill Shea, is that a fair distinction to draw? Would you call uh-huh. the Illiches more speculators, people who have sat on land waiting for it to, to increase in value and not uh, give them that distinction of being developers? Uh, well, and- I, I, think they're, I think they're both. I mean, they've, they know how to build a sports venue. They've certainly done that. They redeveloped Fox, um, and, and they did sit on land. I mean, they, they, I think they had a general sense since the 90s that they were going to build a new arena or someone was going to build it for them. So they started assembling the parcels of land, I think, behind Foxtown and, and where the arena site is now. Um, and they had to wait. You know, if you remember in the 90s, Little Caesars got in, in trouble. Um, you know, the company was facing hardships. and They eventually righted that ship. Um, but they are their sports team owners. Um, 
and they're you know they own some buildings um, and they have a really successful you know global pizza business, but they're not necessarily developers. That's not their chief skill. It's a very lean organization. It's not you know it's not nearly as big as as the Gilbert organization. And he went from a mortgage guy to a developer guy or redeveloper guy. And his no matter what you think of Dan Gilbert, when he says he's going to do something, he does it. Yeah, he's building he's building skyscrapers in Detroit. He's building, you know, stuff across this across Woodward from from the Illiches and in, in Brush Park. You know, the the cranes you see in in downtown Detroit are are Gilbert projects generally. Um, but he's he's definitely in the the developer title. Yeah, the Illiches are a little bit of a mixed bag on that. And some of that I have always thought is about uh, not just wealth, relative wealth. I mean, Dan Gilbert is a lot wealthier. Than the Illiches, but it's also about uh, the, the availability of cash. I mean, uh, just because you own something that makes you wealthy doesn't mean you have uh, money, the kind of cash to move to be able to make things happen. And Dan Gilbert's business looks a lot different than the businesses that uh, that the Illiches are in. Go ahead, Kirk. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say Dan Gilbert wasn't a developer until he became one either. Um, right. You know, when <laughs> when he moved down, you know, seven or eight years ago, he hadn't developed in a, developed a thing. And then he started with the Madison building and then just slowly but surely accumulating these properties and redeveloping them, not only because of, you know, just, you know, sort of the ability to do so, but because, because he had a need. His company was expanding very rapidly. I mean, they came down with, what, 1,500 people. Now they have 17,000. Um, there, there, there was a driving force behind that. It was almost by necessity that that he and his team had to had to do this. And he surrounded himself. And granted, he grew up with some of these people, so it's not like you know he was just sort of like you know picking them at random. <laughs> but you know, he had some friends from childhood who happened to be you know very sharp real estate minds who who could sort of like guide him through this process. And you know, slowly but surely, he became sort of the 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 go-to developer in Detroit. Whereas as as far as I can tell, at least until at least until recently, the last few years. Um, it's it's not really been sort of like a development centric organiza- organization over in uh, over on the other side of the coin. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about Little Caesars Arena and the neighborhoods that we are all hoping will sprout up around it. Uh, we'll also continue talking about the preview of the Mayor's State of the City address scheduled for 7 p.m. over on the east side. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Eric in Detroit, Ron in Detroit, Munir in Detroit, Leslie in Hazel Park. We'll get back to you. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. My guests are Kirk Pinho. He is a real estate reporter for Crane's Detroit Business. Also with us is Bill Shea. He's an enterprise editor who covers the business of sports for Crane's Detroit Business. We're talking about their recent article in Crane's called is the district Detroit delivering? It's about Little Caesars Arena and the grand promises that the Illich organization made about other development that was to take place around the place where the arena was to rise. Five neighborhoods they talked about creating that would bring all kinds of people into the city and help fill the gap between downtown and midtown. 
Five years on, there isn't a whole lot of evidence that that's actually happening. The arena is built. There's a couple of other things that they have built as well, but these neighborhoods have yet to take shape. Uh, we're talking about uh, whether the city of Detroit was taken in this deal with uh, the Illiches, whether uh, that was uh, ever going to happen or whether it ever will happen. We're also talking about the mayor's State of the City address, which is scheduled for 7 p.m. tonight uh, at East English Village Preparatory Academy. You will be able to hear that address right here on WDET. We're talking about how development and downtown development fits into the state of the city. We also want to hear from you about what you think the state of the city is. Do you live here in Detroit? Do you live in a neighborhood in Detroit that's not downtown or midtown? Call and tell us what uh, you think is going on in the city. What is life like for you? Is it improving? Is it improving fast enough? Or are you really concerned about some of the things that you see happening here? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Eric in Detroit. Eric, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Uh, Good morning. So um, I'm the vice chair of the Neighborhood Advisory Committee that deals with um, Little Caesars Arena, and we weren't created under the Community Benefits Ordinance that establishes... um, neighborhood advisory committees. We were actually created before that by a resolution of city council, and our creation was actually part of the deal that allowed transfer of city-owned property to the DDA for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the description of uh, Olympia as, a, as speculators rather than developers, I think, is fairly accurate. What's kind of getting undersold in this is the extent to which Olympia has been really dismissive of our attempts to hold them accountable to what they promised. Um, And there's a lot more that they promised that hasn't been talked about. I mean, so one of the things that they promised they would do, and we meet with Olympia regularly, and they said this to my face, that there would be um, opportunities for local entrepreneurs to operate in the district, that they wanted to take to consider them early on they wanted to build um, storefronts that were actually suitable for uh, early stage businesses like that they even asked me to go out and get the names of potential businesses to locate in the district and i did that uh, over a year ago and again nothing has happened um they i to be perfectly honest i don't think they ever intended to do most of what they said they were going to do. Hmm. You see, there's nothing there but parking lots, as everybody's noted. They told us early on that they wouldn't need to put all those surface parking lots there because people would use the queue line to come down to the arena. Right. And uh, so they wouldn't need all those parking spaces. I actually brought this up to them in a meeting two weeks ago. And they said, well, we can't change what mode of transportation people use, you know, what can we do? And I said, well, have there been any ads in the arena or anywhere else telling people, hey, you should take the queue line? Get on the queue line, right? Right? And they're like, well, no, we haven't done any of that. And I said, (laughs) and and the guy literally told me, he said, 
well, you know, we really can't influence what mode of transportation people take. So, so I said, well, you can't influence what type of pizza people eat either, but you still advertise. <laughs> but you advertise for, for <laughs> Little Caesars, right? Uh, Eric, let me ask you this. Um, when you were when you were talking with the electoral organization before all of this happened, did you believe that that the things they were talking about would actually happen? I mean, what was the feeling coming out of those talks about what was being what was being planned and promised? I didn't. None of us believed them then. I mean, there was a moment when I wanted to. They said. Oh, you know, in the stadium, we're going to have all these local businesses and it'll be open, you know, year round every day to the public, except for when we have games. And I, for a moment, I believe them. But then they got <laughs> once they got the money, they got really, really, as I said, dismissive. And they and I was told we were told things like, well, you know, we spent more money here than we planned to. Right. So you should be grateful. <laughs> and literally, they, we were told that we should express gratitude for what they've done. And for me, the final straw, I mean, the thing I found most disgusting was them actually getting sort of a bonus, additional uh, reimbursement in this process for building their headquarters, parking garages, and uh, bringing in Google basically in the arena, Mm -hmm. right? And they claim that that amounts to like $140 million worth of that uh, ancillary development that they promised they would bring. Mm. And so we gave them an additional reimbursement for that, and we didn't need to do that. And if you compare the deal here with the deal at Joe Lewis Arena, we are getting so much less. So much less so in much terms less. of, yeah. Eric, I really appreciate everything. I, I really appreciate the call and the perspective, uh, given that first-person perspective you know, from the front row of, of how all this happened. Uh, Kirk Pinho and Bill Shea, I, I, I wonder if there is a way to hold – organizations like the uh, organization accountable for the kinds of promises they made specifically to groups like Eric's uh, that they're now not not uh, not honoring what's the what's the mechanism look like there well I think um, number number one on, on the media end you you know you got to sort of shine light on like hey here's what was said here's what's actually happened here's here's what the the terms were and you know that's our reporting hopefully did some of that mm-hmm. that type of accountability um and I, I know one of the city council members started asking questions last week um asking to you know i think it was related to the eddie stone asking why um you know goals hadn't been met and what what sort of mechanisms the city has to to make that happen um and hopefully there's, you know, growing attention on this. And, you know, um, you know as, as journalists, we, we can't subpoena um, Olympia and, and the Illiches to answer questions. Um, they've, you know, they, they declined many times to sit down and, and talk with us about this. Um, but I, I think if there's a growing consensus on, hey, we want some answers, um, real, real substantive answers on why this hasn't been done. Um, and, and maybe that leads to changes in how the city, county, state, and, you know, local governments do these kind of deals. Um, you know, there can be positive outcomes in the, in the future so that we don't repeat these sort of situations. But um, accountability really has to fall to the, the people's elected representatives. You know, they're, they're the ones that signed off on this deal, you know, back in 2012 with the legislature and on through the, the various city agencies 
um, to, to get this done. Um, so, and, you know, there's, there's other, I know there's other media outlets that have, have reported on this and I think there's probably some more stuff, stuff coming, but sustained, um, you know, media pressure, you know, exposure on, on this hopefully builds towards some sort of resolution or at least a, a better explanation on, Hey, what's, what's going on here. And we gave you you know, more than $300 million. There were all these pictures we were sold on in 2014. Where is it? Right. Um, I've, I've got to jump off here now, but, okay. uh, but uh, you know, that's, you know, I'd, hopefully people read the story. Hopefully there's more questions asked and, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get some answers in the future. Yeah. Bill Shea, Enterprise Editor, who covers this business of sports for Cranes Detroit Business. Always great to have you with us. Really appreciate the time. Uh, we're going to Keep going here with Kirk Penho, who is a real estate reporter for Cranes Detroit Business, and get back to the phones. Leslie in Hazel Park. Leslie, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, thank you, uh-huh. thank you. I I think that the Illages should be held to the fire, insofar as if you make a con a verbal contract, or if, I'm sure it's all written down at one point or one fashion or another, and if they can't um, own. Uh, come through with it, then I think um, they've had plenty of time that six months, if, if the city was to say, okay, you better start doing something within within six months, let's see some proof that your word is going to be worth something. Otherwise, I think they should bring in Ken Worthy and ha- and put uh, put some fire underneath their backsides mm. because that that's money that the city could definitely use for some projects that will would be done. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure that that's a mechanism that's available to us here in the city of but Detroit. Why, why not? Well, I mean, uh, isn't a verbal contract in front of people? I, I was under the understanding that that is a, a legitimate a legal thing. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the, the contracts that were signed, I think, uh, were for the arena itself, and this other development was, was stuff that the Illiches said we want to do that as well. I mean, it was a sweetener, isn't that? Isn't that an accurate description, Kirk? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a fair description. Um, you know, and and one of the things that we, uh, uh, well, fr- frankly, we we editorialized on in our our, our issue this week was um, if the if if the Illiches and, and, and Olympia are either unable to um, or or unwilling to. Um, <clears throat> Make projects sort of like move forward on 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 some of these properties that they received at very steep discounts. Uh, in some cases, you know, as little as a dollar. Um, then they should end up in the hands in in whatever fashion of of you know developers and other organizations that that are that are willing and able to be able to convert these into more productive uses like apartments or office mm-hmm. or retail or whatever hotels and 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 the like. So, I mean, when when we talk about you know thing, things like bringing Kim Worthy and I don't I don't I don't necessarily think that's uh, that that that's a starter. I'm not. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think they should be charged with something. But I mean, the city's corporation council could probably bring um, some some level of uh, 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 fire to their feet. Uh, it's just a matter of in sort of like what mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, the context for all of this is that this is the second time that we are having to to question whether this organization is going to deliver on its promises. I mean, as I said at the beginning of the show, I I remember very clearly back in the 90s, this same story 
playing out over Comerica Park, which was supposed to, to radically change Brush Park, which we are now seeing Dan Gilbert invest money in uh, in fixing up. And so uh, it's kind of a circular circular narrative here that I think explains some of the frustration that we're hearing from callers. Right. And we're, all, we're also in a, in a vastly different real estate landscape in 2014 when this was announced versus, you know, 94, 96 in a completely different city landscape. So those things are also important to take into consideration, too. It seems, uh, you know, as far as I know, it's much more favorable in the last five years than it was in the mid-90s. Sure. Uh, let's go to Munir in Detroit. Munir, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Sure. I'm a Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, we love that. <laughs> uh, born and raised in the city. I'm uh, 37 years old, and I work, I've work. i been working downtown since 2005. There are some, and I hate to be the morning, uh, the Monday morning uh, quarterback, but um, there are some big things that the city is facing that's right in front of our, that's right in front of our face that um, those who okayed that deal just missed. Um, I mean, how many times can we – sit back and let these big corporations, these uh, wealthy uh, investors, uh, just play us like this. Um, I think the deal with Joe Lewis should have been uh, re-looked at. Um, We have public safety problems uh, where our police department can't afford to hire the amount of people uh, needed to protect and serve the city. Um, We could have share revenues from the concession stands uh, like Joe Lewis that went to public safety. Every time there's a big event, I mean, I'm sure you've been downtown. Uh, how many police officers do you see directing traffic in the streets? They take them from the, you know, from the neighborhoods. Um, you know, I, I stay in uh, Grandma Rosedale, which is a, you know, a relatively nice neighborhood, but, you know, just four or five blocks over, uh, you have, uh, you know, there's Brightmore and there's other neighborhoods who uh, really, really need that attention and crime, though it's going down, uh, you know, if you speak to any of uh, our uh, our police officers, they'll tell you how understaffed and how under budgeted they are and how, for the most part, their hands are tied, yes. uh, mainly due to lack of revenue. Yeah. I, I, so, you know, those are great points. Uh, and, and I'm glad you called. And, and shared those with us. I mean, Kirk Pinnow, that, that that's a nice segue to this this bigger picture of how we prioritize resources and other things in the city. And those are some of the things that I think we expect to hear from the mayor tonight is how he's making those decisions. I think he he you know he did not make this deal, uh, and so he can't he can't uh, he can't be held responsible in that way. But certainly the question about uh, how much we dedicate to something like this versus what goes on in the neighborhoods is a narrative that unfolds every day in the city. Of course, and it's an important discussion to have. Um, and I've, I've, been, I've spoken with um, some, some, city, some city officials who have privately expressed, um, let's say, frustration uh, with, the, with the lack of progress on this uh, ba- based on, um, you know, the fact that, you know, public funding was, uh, was a part of the equation and that there's been, uh, you know, these grand promises that, uh, to, you know, heretofore have not really come to fruition. Um, it, I, it doesn't seem like it's lost on the administration. Um, now, wh- whether that comes up tonight in, you know, the state of the city, I, I, have, I have no idea, but it's certainly an important discussion to have going forward. Okay, Kirk Benho, 
real estate reporter for Cranes Detroit Business. The story is titled, uh, Where is the Development? Is that right? Uh, is the District Detroit Delivering? Something like that, <laughs> That's yeah. the title. Okay. Uh, Kirk, thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Up next, the Michigan Regional Council of Carpenters and Millwrights is building a new training facility, and it will be in an area of Detroit that could really use that kind of investment. It's also an area of Detroit that is very close to my heart. Stay tuned for more Detroit Today. Thank you.